into it. So we're in Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to be starting in verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing him all those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Again, I was getting to the, what I was getting at was that there was that um, they went over to Simon and Andrew's house, and uh, it wasn't it was uh, typical for the immediate family, um, extended family, to be living together, especially if there wasn't a male to provide financial support. Now it seems like this was a case over at Peter's house. Um, the fact that his mother-in-law was at home and in his home leads us to believe that she may have been a widow or and supported by Peter and his wife. Now. I can only imagine the conversation that was going on after the events in the synagogue. And I would encourage you to, to read back a little bit um, to, to see what happened there. But I can only imagine, again, the conversation that was going on there. Um, and the excitement of going back to, to Simon's house. Now, now, I want to interchange Simon, Simon and Peter because it's the same person. It wasn't until later that Jesus um, named Simon Peter. But... There was an excitement just to tell everyone the moment they walked into the door. However, once they walked into that door, the excitement quickly fizzled. Um, and they noticed what, what they noticed was just the nervousness in everyone's faces of those, of those who were there. Now, Peter was probably told about the dire situation the family was facing. His, mother was in be- his mother-in-law was in bed with a severe fever. He, in turn, probably told Jesus and the rest of the group about what was going on. Now, rather than Jesus just excusing himself and saying, you know what, this is kind of out of place for me, I'm going to go ahead and just step out, um, and letting them deal with this problem, Jesus did something absolutely remarkable. He just walked up to this woman, took her by the hand, and lifted her up. We're told that at that moment, the fever left her and she began to serve them. Now, what could have been a tragic situation ended up being a joyous occasion. With one simple act, Jesus transformed an anxious house into a house of celebration. That reminds me of a story I once heard of a man who had just come home after receiving Jesus into his life. He was excited to tell his wife and kids about the great news of what would just happen to him and share the gospel with them. But as he walked in the door, the mood, had, the mood was somber, and anxious looks and faces of his family turned the excitement into concern. He was informed that his wife had just been laid off from work due to budget cuts, and his eldest son got, re- got a rejection letter from the university he was desperately planning to attend. So he did what most of us do when we hear terrible news, when we hear about someone we love suffering or just having a horrible day. He quietly went to his room, to the foot of the bed, and just prayed. He got on his knees and just told Jesus about it. He prayed for Jesus to show up in order to comfort his wife and his son. 
He prayed that God would reveal himself in this situation. He prayed for their sadness to be turned into joy. After some time, after that time in prayer, he left things in God's hands and offered whatever love and support he could. Later that evening, his wife got a call from a company she had previously interviewed for, but assumed she didn't get. Now, now this company was offering her a higher paid position. His son also got a call from the university that was his second pick, offering him a full ride scholarship. Well, now within a matter of hours, the mood in this house, in this man's house, had changed, and his, and his heart, the heart of this man rejoiced because God showed up. As a result, this opened the door for him to share what had just happened to him prior to walking into the door and his prayers afterwards. The entire family came to know Jesus simply because Jesus, because God showed up. This man simply told Jesus about it. Now, just like in Simon's home, Jesus showed up and lifted his family up and an anxious house turned into a house of celebration. Now, there's a couple of ways you can look at this story and the events that took place in Simon Andrew's house. You can view it from the perspective of Simon and Andrew, and you can view it from the perspective of, of Simon's mother-in-law. I'm certain, now, I'm certain Simon and Andrew had a genuine concern about this woman they cared about. They simply told Jesus about it. As a result, they got to witness Jesus' unrestrained compassion as he performed a miracle in their home. Now, you can go to Jesus about the big and small things in your life, all the things that concern you the most. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he'll never walk away. He'll never, he'll never say, you know what, that's your problem. You deal with it. No, he's there. He's going to be there the whole entire time. He's there every step of the way, guiding you in every valley and guiding you in every desert of your life. So like Peter, simply tell Jesus and watch him do what he does best. Just watch him. Watch him see the blessings that come. Just simply tell Jesus about it. Now the other perspective is that of Simon's mother-in-law. Now this is... Again, this is something amazing. Here she sees Jesus coming towards her, a man she's probably never seen before. But as she's looking at this man, she, sees, she, she knows there's something different about him. Now, now, again, I'm just speculating here and I'm just imagining, but she sees this man coming towards him, or towards her, and there's just something there. Now, because of his unrestrained compassion, he took her, by the hand and lifted her up. When Jesus healed her, she didn't stay down. She got up and stayed up. She didn't wallow and go back to the bed and to her bed and you know to get more rest. She didn't say, you know what, uh, thank you so much and, and I'm gonna just continue to get some rest and uh, I'm tired and I'm still feeling, no, she, could, she got up and, and served. When Jesus healed her, she just went about what she did every day of her life. Jesus wants to walk up to you, take you by the hand, and lift you up. He wants you to be, he wants you to be the recipient of his unrestrained compassion to heal you. Now, if you choose to accept it and he heals you, get up. Get up and, and just serve. 
get up and then show that same unrestrained, unrestrained compassion on others that need it. There's just so many people out there in the world who are just, who are, who are unloved, who are rejected by society. We have to, when we receive that compassion, when we receive that love, that mercy, that grace, we have to be able to share it and just to be able to give it to others as well. You know, there's, there's a, a problem, and I see it within the church of just rejecting and saying, no, that's their problem, that's their, their, their issues. But where's the love? And where's the compassion that we're supposed to have towards those that are on the outside? We have to show that same unrestrained compassion on others. Now let's take a, let's let's look at the events. I, I reread it, but let me read it again. The events that took pay, took place later on that evening, starting in verse thirty-two. When the evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing him, bringing to him all those who were sick, and those who were demon possessed. The town was assembled at the door, at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and drove out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. From what Mark tells us, the events in the synagogue and the events that, that in the home of Simon and Andrew took place throughout the course of the day. Then he moves on and tells us what happened later on that evening. Now, so having witnessed all that Jesus had done throughout that day, Simon and Andrew and James and John, they get the, they get the idea, hey, let's just go out in town. Let's go out all over northeast El Paso and just tell people about Jesus and, and have them come over to the house. Now, what I find interesting is that in, that in the story is that they brought all these people to the house rather than a more public place. And that would make more sense to, you know, bring Jesus to somewhere like, like Cone Stadium here and just have everybody come and, and, and see him and... and and experience that unrestrained compassion and the healing. But no, they brought him to the house. They, 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 they brought people to Jesus. But there's also two pieces of information that can't be overlooked. The first piece of information is that we're told that Jesus healed many that were sick and drove out many demons. It tells us that Jesus didn't obviously heal all of them. The second point is, Jesus wouldn't permit these demons to speak because they knew him. Now, from what I, from what I understand, he wasn't going to allow them to disrupt what was happening by causing even more confusion. Now, but what I mean by confusion is, a lot of these people knew that these demons, these evil spirits were liars. They knew that um, there was no truth found in them, and they were just there to deceive. Now, Imagine, again, if Jesus is performing these miracles, driving out these demons, and, and again, they're all saying the same thing. You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. You're going to have people who are actually going to believe him, and you're going to have people that are saying, no, he's not. He's a liar. Jesus wanted the people to independently determine, based on what he was doing, that he was the Holy One of God. 
Now what Simon, Andrew, and James, what Simon, Andrew, James, and John did serves as a great example for us. They were witnesses to the healing power of Jesus Christ and wanted others to see and experience for themselves. So they went out and brought everyone they could to Jesus. As Christians, as followers of Christ, as witnesses of the power and love of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives and in the lives of others, we are called to do the same thing, to bring others to Jesus and allow, and allow him to do the same for them. So if you've been a witness of the healing power of Jesus Christ, don't keep it to yourself. This isn't one of those things where, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm just going to just hold on to it. And, no, proclaim it. Tell everyone about it. The world needs to hear about you know, the power of Jesus Christ, that the, what you've seen, what you've experienced, the healings, the, just the, the awesome work that he's done in your families and, and, and in your jobs and in your schools, wherever it may be. Share it and bring as many as you can to Jesus. It says in Isaiah 52.7, How beautiful on the mountains... How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who, brings, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. In this passage, we also see Jesus' unrestrained compassion toward those who were sick and needed physical healing and those who were demon-possessed and needed spiritual cleansing. Now, again, we're not giving the details as to why they all couldn't be healed, but we're told that many were healed. I have no doubt that if he wanted to, if Jesus absolutely wanted to, he could have healed all of them. But we have to remember one thing about Jesus, is that he always submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus said in John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. I'm telling you right now, don't give up on your prayers. Don't give up on your prayers to be healed for yourself and the healings of a, lo of a loved one. There are countless of stories. There are countless of stories about how God miraculously healed people from sickness and disease. There are also stories of how God still cleanses people from evil spirits. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's... Everything is in his hands, and we have to trust in his perfect will that he has a plan and that his plan is greater than what we're able to understand. Now, when Paul was mentioning in his, about his thorn in his flesh, he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through, 8 through 11, Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in my weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecution, and in pleasures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Regardless of this, of this physical and spiritual condition you come to Jesus in, if it's with a broken and repentant heart, you will experience his unrestrained compassion as he fulfills his promises to heal us. I love what it says in Psalm 34, 17, and 18, 17 through 18. 
It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and save those who are crushed in spirit. We do. We have an amazing God. We have Jesus is, is, is so good and so wonderful, and he understands and knows what's going on with each and every one of us. And he knows, only he knows why things happen and why things don't happen. And, and this is something that Paul struggled with. But he understood that even in, in whatever was causing his, his physical weaknesses, that the grace of God was sufficient for him. This grace that he, he felt and he understood and was sufficiently, was all that he needed to get through life. And yes, it hurts. Things hurt. Our bodies hurt. I have a, I have a terrible shoulder that I just, you know, I, I, I can't, the pain I can't get rid of. It's been several months. And sometimes it does. It, it, it really gets me angry. I don't understand. But I understand that, that even in that, God is still wonderful. Now this is, it's, I know it's just a small sample, a small little thing, but there are others who are suffering much more and understand this concept. Let's, let's read on. Um, Starting in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. As he was praying, and he was praying there, Simon and his companions went searching for him. They found him and said, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so we may preach there too. This is why I've come. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and driving out demons. The following morning, Jesus gets up and goes to a quiet and solitary place where he spends time in prayer. Now, he must have been gone for a while, because unbeknownst to him, Simon, Andrew, James, and John began, began looking for him. When they finally found him, they tell him something he, already, he had already concluded. They told him, everyone's looking for you. Now, Jesus' response may be seen as an unconcerned brush-off, but what he was actually doing was agreeing with their statement. You see, while they may have been talking about the people in the town they were just in, in Capernaum, their statement actually affirmed what Jesus may have been in prayer about. It wasn't just that town, but all the others as well that needed to hear, see, and experience the good news Jesus was proclaiming. They needed to see this unrestrained compassion of Jesus. Their statement, again, affirmed to Jesus, everyone indeed was looking for him. This statement that everyone, again, was looking for him also confirmed Jesus' purpose for being in Galilee. And so that's what he began to do. He began going into these synagogues, preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus, driving out demons, just kept doing it day after day. I, and I believe it's absolutely, because of this, I believe it's absolutely essential that we spend as much time, that you spend as much time, that we spend as much time as we can in prayer. Especially as you make your requests known to God. 
Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. The more you spend in prayer, the easier it becomes to hear and see God answer your prayers in ways you can't imagine. You see, prayer creates a spiritual filter that helps you to clearly discern the things that you normally wouldn't have paid much attention to. This spiritual filter will open your ears, your eyes, and your heart, your mind to the things you've been asking God about. And the Holy Spirit that's in you will confirm it. The Holy Spirit, as a Christian, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will confirm whether what you're hearing is from God or not. Because God can't contradict himself. Now, when Jesus was teaching in parables, he would often end them by saying, He who has an ear, let him hear. The only way to truly be able to have the ears to hear what Jesus is saying is by asking God to give them to you. The only way to truly have them is by having the Holy Spirit dwell in you. And the only way to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you is by, ask, is by being born again. Now, in my personal life, I've seen, I've experienced God answer my prayers by speaking to me in various ways. Whether it's a conversation what I've had with someone or a conversation I've overheard, reading scripture, and, yes, and even reading the news, reading books, listening or watching sermons, just everyday stuff. Listening to worship songs. I mean, there, I, I can't tell you so many times I've struggled with, a, with something, with a thought or, or, or how to do something, and, 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 I, and I hear him speak to me. And this is what I mean by just having, this is what Jesus means by having those open ears. It's just listening. Listening to what he wants to tell you. And again, the more you spend in prayer, the more you just go on your knees and, and, and fall before God and talk to him, the more you'll be able to clearly hear him. Now in this passage, Jesus exemplifies for us the importance of prayer and how to have the ears to listen when God does answer. I have one more story before we end here this morning, I want to quickly read and share with you the last five verses of chapter 1. Then a man with a serious skin disease came to him on his knees, begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. Immediately the disease left him and he was healed. And he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely to this and spread the news, to spread the news, with the result that Jesus could no longer enter the town openly. But he was out in deserted places and would and they would come to him from everywhere. Now, sometime during this time in Galilee, Jesus came upon this man with leprosy. Now, if you don't know anything about leprosy, leprosy was this foul, contagious disease appearing on the skin, and it, it, it appears white, 
thin scrub with with uh, scruffy scabs. It was painful. It was, it's, it was, it smelled horrible. And in severe cases, it caused disfigurement and deformities. This is one of the worst skin diseases. I think there's a different name to it now, but this is one of the worst diseases, skin diseases you can have. This man came to Jesus begging, on his knees, begging Jesus, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, if you were to do a careful word search on the word clean and how it's used here, you will find that it has a deeper meaning than, the, than in that word physical healing and that word physical cleansing. This man understood that not only was he unclean from the outside, but he was also unclean from the inside. He was essentially asking Jesus what David wrote in Psalm 51.10. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You see, what this man was actually begging Jesus for was two things. To be healed from this horrible skin disease and to be made holy or acceptable before God. What this man was begging and what this man was begging and asking for, it just it, it clearly broke Jesus' heart. It just not in a horrible way, but we see that he was we're told that he was moved with compassion. And I'm sure you guys have felt this before. You guys see something, some you know, I, I I've been seeing it on the news about all these horrible events that have been going on and just it crushes me, but I'm moved with compassion for these people that are going through this, the pain, and and you see the faces, and it's like, especially you know what what we what we witness in France, the, the just the horror, and just that compassion is there. This is what I imagine Jesus feeling, but ten times greater, hundred times greater. He was moved with compassion. This unrestricted compassion of Jesus was so intense that it reached out and touched this leprous man. Now, again, this was a contagious disease. He touched him without regard to his own health and the Mosaic law that prohibited Jews from touching unclean people. There was a certain there were certain restrictions about about people that had diseases and and if you read Leviticus and Deuteronomy you'll, you'll be able to find them there but you're not supposed to touch these people with these, the skin diseases it was just a no-no it was you just don't do that because if you do now you become unclean Jesus didn't care about that he just was you know what this man needs to be touched how, how long do you think it had been since someone actually touched him Again, I would imagine it had been years someone actually put their arms around him. But Jesus had his compassion and he touched him without regard to his health or the Mosaic law. Now again, I, I, I imagine Jesus looking straight into the eyes, straight into the eyes of this man and saying, I am willing, be made clean. 
And with those words, this once undesirable man received from Jesus the physical healing that caused him so much pain and so much discomfort. And he also gave him the inner healing that had caused him to live with an unbearable weight of inner guilt. Now afterwards, Jesus gave him strict and specific instructions on what to do next. Unfortunately, Mark tells us he did that this man did what Jesus told him not to do. He went and told everyone about what Jesus had done for him. However, it, it should be noted, and this is something a side note, that Mark doesn't say that he didn't do what Jesus did tell him to do. Now, I want, I want to go back to verse 45 real quick, because this is, we're told what this man did, did do. He went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news. This man who became a recipient and witness of the unrestrained compassion and healing of Jesus Christ was now spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. This guy was now just telling everyone about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. And, he's, and all these people were seeing, hey, what happened to your disease? What happened to you? What's, what's going on? What's so different about you? What? And he just told them about what Jesus did. This unrestrained compassion, this love, this guy, Jesus touched me. And he said, I am willing to be made clean. And I was clean. Oh man, what an what a what an amazing witness to 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 that. What an amazing testimony. These people again were just what? What do you mean? Who is this Jesus? What are you talking about? Now this, I believe, is why Mark tells us Jesus couldn't enter a town openly. You see, it was easier to keep the unclean, the unwanted, the undesirables out and allow someone else to show them the compassion. It was easier for them to just kick them out of the town because, again, because they were unclean, they weren't allowed in, in the town, in their towns. So it was easier to have these people out there and have someone else deal with them, have someone else have compassion for them. And again, just Jesus shows up. That's what he does. That's what he does. He's out there looking for the undesirables, looking, you know, for the unwanted, the unclean, to touch them and to heal them and to give them the love they so desperately need. Again, it was easier to keep them out than to allow them, someone to come and reveal how uncompassionate these towns treat their undesirable citizens. And again, it's a great picture for our society today and what's going on. Not just in our society, but again with some of the churches. You know, just leave those people out there. You know, we don't want them to see just the, the issues and problems and the, the, the ugliness of what's going on here. And a lot of times it is sad that there's just a lot of people that just treat others so uncompassionately. They treat these people that are, would be considered, that the world considers undesirables. You know, the church treats them the same way. It's horrible. 
That's not what Jesus wants for us. It's not what Jesus wanted. And we see that by his example. You see, rather than this causing a problem, it actually worked out in everyone's benefit. People began to come out of those places. All those hiding places. They were hearing about this man, Jesus, and they were coming out of those hiding places, whether it's in their homes, whether it's in the whether it was in the brothels or in the bars and you know, wherever it may be. They were coming out of these holes and coming to see who this Jesus was about. We're told that they would they would come to him from everywhere. All those places where they found comfort in those towns, in that in, in the world. They made the effort to find out for themselves who Jesus was. Now I hope this, this story helps you understand a couple things. This is my hope and prayer is that you'll be able to see and accept and accept the extremely horrible condition you're in. That if you're unable, I'm sorry, if you're unable to see and accept the extremely horrible condition you're in, it will be extremely difficult to fall on your knees and ask Jesus to make you clean. Romans 3, 10 to 12 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Now a little further down in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now I want to go back to Psalm 51 and read, read actually those first 10, 10 uh, verses. In Psalm 51 it says, Now listen, listen to the brokenness in David's heart as he writes this. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be made clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Again, verse 10. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You have... The second thing I want, the second point I want, I want to make, and I hope you see, is that you have a compassionate Savior who is absolutely willing to heal and cleanse you from all the filth that has caused you so much suffering. One John one, one John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And in Titus two fourteen. 
He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. I like how, again, going back to the Psalms and how just the, the heart of David, I like how he puts it in, one, in, in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. I'll read that to you. Psalm 103. My soul praise Yahweh, and all that is within me praise His holy name. My soul praise the Lord, and do not forget all His benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with unfaithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like an eagle. See, if you come to Jesus the, way, the same way this leper did, humble, broken, with a heart fully submitted to His will, our Lord and Savior will say and do exactly, He will say and do exactly what He told this, this, this man, this leprous man. With an unrestrained compassion, He will touch you and say, I am willing, be made clean. The world may throw you away and consider you undesirable and useless. The world may not want anything to do with you because of what you've done, your mistakes, your, you're just, to the world or maybe to, to other churches, you're considered unclean. God doesn't see you that way. God doesn't see you as undesirable and useless. I'll tell you right now, watch and see what God will do in and through you. Watch and see how Jesus' unrestrained compassion can and will be extended to you and those who the world sees as undesirable. I've seen this in my life and I've seen this in the life of others. God has a tendency to use the people this world has discarded for His glory. Jesus is waiting for you in that deserted place to be alone with you, to give you the love and compassion this world will never be able to offer you. He's standing out there in that deserted, quiet place and all you have to do is just come to Him. All you have to do is just willingly come to Him and watch Him. Watch Him as He, as he touches you and tells you, I am willing, be made clean. As He embraces you, as you feel His mercy, as you feel His grace being poured upon you. world. This world just it's coming to an end. And everything in this world is coming to an end. But where will you be at? Where was where is your heart? Where is your compassion? We have to examine ourselves. Is our compassion 
the same as Jesus? Do we have that same unrestrained compassion towards others that Jesus had towards Simon's mother-in-law, towards the, the people in these other towns, towards this leprous man? Do we have that same compassion on others? Now I'll finish with this final verse from 1 Corinthians 2.9 that puts it well. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What a magnificent verse. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard what God has planned out for, for us prepared for those who love him. Let's pray. God, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for just falling short in this area of compassion, Lord. Lord, give us that heart to be just compassionate towards those who just who feel like this unclean, those who feel they're undesirable, those who believe that they're just nobody wants them, Lord. As followers of Christ, give us the strength, Lord. Give us that love and compassion to go out there and reach out and touch and lift up those who believe this, these, those who are, who, are, who are being led to believe this lie, Lord. Use us in, in just going out there and just loving others, Lord. Let us, give us the strength just to love others the same way you just loved us. You know, Lord, that our flesh is our, our flesh is makes it difficult, Lord. Our emotions make it difficult, Lord. Help us to put that aside, Lord. Help us to put away our emotions and our flesh, <coughs> and just go out there and love like you loved. To have the compassion like your compassion, Lord. For this world, you show us every day, and so far you showed us every week, is a dark and horrible place, Lord. Just so much evil, rampant. Lord, but you have called us, you have separated us to be a light and salt in this dark, scary world, Lord. And although it may be scary for all those watching and all those experiencing, Lord, the, the, the horrific events, Lord, for us, it's something different.
Lord. Give us that heart. To be that light, Lord. To love. Again, you have given us so much, Lord. You've given us more than what we can imagine and ask for, Lord. Reveal your will to us, Lord. Reveal, speak to us. Open our eyes, our ears, Lord, to the things that you want to show us, to the things you want to tell us, Lord. We're lost without you. And we need you every day, Lord. that you bless this week we're about to have. Let us walk again according to your will. Let us glorify you in everything that we say and do. May others see the light that is shining within us, Lord. Help us to be good witnesses. Help us to just be able to give correct and write testimonies about you, Lord. Lord, touch each and every person here, Lord. Pour your spirit upon them. Guide them, strengthen them, Lord. We look forward to seeing your glory. We look forward to just experiencing you more and more every day, Lord. Thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We glorify you, Lord. Bless this time of fellowship. Bless this time of just us, again, just getting to know what's going on with each other's life, Lord, and may we just enjoy this rest of this day you created for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.